This time we'll now read in the book of Mark. So please turn to the book of Mark. And we'll be reading from chapter 6 of Mark. Begin the scripture reading at verse 7 and read through verse 32. The text for the sermon will be verses 30 through 32 of Mark chapter 6. Beginning then at verse 7 of Mark 6, we read this word of God. And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save or accept a staff only, no scrip, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals, and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into an house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet, for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. And King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad. And he said, that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Others said that it is Elias, and others said that it is a prophet, or as one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John, whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John, and bound him in prison for Herodias's sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him, and would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man, and an holy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things, and heard him gladly. And when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee. And when the daughter of said Herodias came in, and danced, and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. And he sware unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king, and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger 
It is a meat plate or a platter, the head of John the Baptist. And the kings and the king was exceeding sorry, yet for his oath's sake and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought, and he went and beheaded him in the prison, and brought his head in a charger, and gave it to the damsel, and the damsel gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Now the words of our text, verses 30 through 32. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. That's as far as we'll read, and may the Lord bless us in the reading of Scripture. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, according to all that Jesus taught his apostles to do, all that he admonishes then office bearers and particularly preachers to do, which he does in verses 7 through 13, when he sends out the apostles by two and two, and according to all that Christ implies that the child of God must do as a believer in the office of believer to confess the name of Christ by word and example, who is sufficient for that duty in life? The insufficiency of mere men for that demanding work of serving in church office, particularly as Jesus shows in verses 7 through 12 in the office of the ministry of the word, and in the office of believer, in our duty in our particular stations and callings in life, to confess his name and to show his word by instruction an example that insufficiency is shown when Jesus teaches that that requires more than just one man in the church of Jesus Christ. We cannot have a church of just one family, a father and mother and the children. It doesn't work in the communion of the saints. We cannot have a church of just one office bearer, an elder or perhaps the minister of the word and that's it in just the congregation. But Jesus also teaches it was not sufficient just to have one apostle do the work that he called them to do in the passage, but 12 apostles going out by two and two in pairs to, the, to, to where the Lord had sent them. And later, Jesus admonished the apostles and through them the church that we must pray not just for a laborer in the harvest, but plural, laborers in the harvest, to do the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the offices of Christ in the church, 
than in our own stations and callings in life as a child of God, a believer. But then when we look at those places that God has put us in the church and in daily life, the Lord also teaches us by our text the insufficiency that each citizen of the kingdom of heaven has in himself. What believer of himself, who of us, has strength, wisdom, endurance, perseverance in the work of ourselves to confess his word, to speak his truth in humility, but also in godly fear, and to do our work spiritually in our different stations and callings in life, with a faithfulness and a constancy that continues as many years as the Lord calls us in this life to do our work. None of us do. Who of the apostles had strength of themselves to do the work that God had called them to do, or even had the right to that place as an apostle? None of them did. And it's in the midst of that demanding and exhausting labors that Jesus calls his apostles, he admonishes them, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. There in communion with me, the Lord teaches them, you will learn and be confirmed in the reality of your limitations. You will learn the source of your strength. The only foundation of the hope that you have in your work. And the only ground and foundation and the confidence that you need in the work that I call you to do. And in that communion with me, you will receive by faith alone the blessed benefits of communion with me in my word regularly. Call your attention then to the text under that theme, addressing those items. Come ye and rest a while. Come ye and rest a while. That's the Lord's word, not just to the apostles, but also to you and me. For first of all, we need that rest. That's what we'll look at first of all, the rest needed. Notice the reason given, and then the results enjoyed. Jesus commanded his disciples to come apart into a desert place and rest a while. That's verse 31. This follows, interestingly, what happens in verse 30, where the disciples return to Jesus after their tour in various cities in Galilee and homes in Galilee. They return to Jesus and they give a complete report of what they had done. Very little has told us about what they actually said to Jesus. But we do know that they told him all the things that they had done. The healings, the preaching, the homes that they had stayed in, perhaps the homes that had not received them and rejected them or had received them for a little while and then sent them out. They had to, as Jesus commanded them, 
shake the dust off their feet. All these things the disciples told them, both the negative fruit, but also the homes that did receive them and rejoiced in the word that they brought in that home. That report of the apostles to Jesus implied that the apostles understood their relationship to Jesus. They were accountable to him, reminding you and me that, yes, similarly, in the church office, or in the office of believer, we are accountable to the Lord for our work in this life. In the second place, their report implied they were faithful to the Lord. As the Lord had sent them with all those instructions, don't put any money in your purse, don't take food or a sandwich with you. The homes that you go to, they will take care of you. If your coat wears out, they will provide a new one and so on, and go into these homes and these cities in Galilee, and that's what the apostles did. They were faithful. They obeyed the Lord, did the miracles which he authorized them to do, preached, as the, text, or the context teaches, they preached that men should repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Leave the promise of Jehovah according to the Old Testament and see it being fulfilled in the Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, the son of David, whom we preach. And thirdly, then they had time with Jesus to reflect on what had taken place. They debriefed with him and what the Lord had accomplished through them for the sake of his kingdom. After all of those reports, after all of their hard work, Jesus says to them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Which means four things. First of all, he commanded them to come apart. Lay down your preaching labors and the miracles which I have authorized you to do. Stop. Disconnect yourself from that work which I have called you to do and come to this desert place for a little while. Where? Number two, to a desert place, a place detached from the multitudes they had been serving and to whom they had been preaching and among whom they had been doing the miracles. Detach yourselves from them in this desert place. Jesus does not call them to go to a resort or a nice vacation to a desert place where they would be uninterrupted, not distracted from number three, which Jesus commands them, rest a while. Cease from your preaching. Rest your minds, your bodies, your heart, your souls. And see that rest in the light of the Old Testament scriptures and seek counsel from the word at that place. They're not called to go to the desert place and just sit there and not do anything, but to be busy in something. What? Number four, and although Jesus doesn't say this, they're commanded to come apart to a desert place for a while with him, with Jesus. That's the focus of this rest. 
This is not a vacation for recreation, but a time of rest with their Lord, with the purpose of focusing, while resting their bodies and their minds, focusing their souls on communion with Jesus for spiritual rest, a rest in which they could receive and, and hear that mercy which they needed from the Lord in their work, which was imperfect. They could be reassured in the knowledge and understanding of the Holy Scriptures and the gospel which they had to preach. They could be assured of the blessing of the Lord upon their work. Of course, except for, remember, Judas Iscariot. He was the son of perdition. But for the other eleven, they could be assured and receive assurance of the blessing of the Lord upon them and be sent back into their work with the proper goal, the proper attitude, and the proper expectations, according to the word of Jesus Christ. That's the command which the Lord brings to us, beloved. Come ye yourselves apart and rest a while with me, saith the Lord. Ye are my servants. Ye are my servants in your daily life in the office of believer. You are servants in the house of God. And I have placed you in your different stations and callings in life. As a husband, as a wife, as a widower perhaps, a father and a mother. We have our duties in all of those different stations. Even you children have your station and calling in life to submit to the godly instruction and admonition of our parents and to grow under that admonition and direction and instruction in the fear of Jehovah so that as we grow up we may also do as our parents do speak the word of God to us in their instruction in all areas of our life even our employment we must know we must speak we must be a living testimony of the word of Jesus Christ, of the infallibly inspired Holy Scriptures. Now with regard to all of those labors which are exhausting because of the challenges of that work, there's opposition from without in the world, there's the opposition of our old nature, there are the disappointments, the challenges, the discouragements, and all of that labor Jesus calls us to come apart for a while regularly with him. Regular devotions with him, with the word and with prayer. Regular personal devotions with the rest giver, our Lord Jesus Christ, communing with him in the word of that finished spiritual rest which is in him alone and yes that does mean this regular rest with him in worship on the lord's day where we physically separate from the world all that would distract us from communion with jesus christ at his feet to hear his word to hear the truth of his work that he has done for us and the work that he continues to do 
in us and through us by his grace and Holy Spirit. And there in that rest to be relieved of the toil and the work and to rest in his finished work. It's also true for us who are in the office offices in the church. Like the apostles, so preachers of the gospel need to come apart and rest a while with the Lord. There must be periodic detachment from the work in a place of communion where we may refresh mind and body and soul with the Lord. They mean does mean, of course, family devotions, but the minister himself must also, in his daily labor, making his sermons, preparing his catechism lessons, doing his Bible study work before the meeting, pray that the Lord will be with him and meet with the Lord before he meets with all the meetings he must take, 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 take charge in and lead in the life of the congregation. The goal is we may maintain faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ like the apostles were in their work. Similarly, elders and deacons in their work must also come apart and rest a while with the Lord. That's the reason why in the church order, maybe you've noticed that, there's an article in the church order where it says that before the council or the consistory or even a classis or a synod meets, they must first have prayer. They first must rest a while with the king of the church, Jesus Christ, before we go into the work of whatever may be on the agenda. By faith, we must believe that is necessary as Christ teaches. Come. That's not a suggestion. That's an admonition. Come apart and rest a while with me, in my word, with a view to your work in the kingdom of heaven here below. Why does Jesus teach that? Why does he say that? In verse 31 of the text, he alludes to the reason when he says, For, second part of verse 31 says, For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Jesus required that rest because of the demands of the work. The work was great. People were coming and going. They had spiritual needs. They had questions about what was taught in the Old Testament. And what does this mean that we must repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? What does that mean? They needed those things explained to them in connection with Jesus who was standing in the midst of them. Some of them needed miracles of healing as the miracles confirmed and would confirm their faith in the word which Jesus and the apostles taught. The problem was there were so many people. The apostles, Jesus shows in the text, had hardly the time to eat. They were so busy. Perhaps they tried to sit down for a meal, but then people kept coming and going and that was, as Jesus shows, an unsustainable situation. At that high level of activity, 
an opportunity for rest, not just physical rest, but the spiritual rest, their health would have deteriorated. And the office bearer in the church who attempts to do so at a high level of activity without proper rest, not just physically, but also spiritually, will soon become unfaithful and unable to work. Thereby, Jesus shows that the apostles could not do their work single-handedly. They could not do the work of preaching the gospel of the kingdom alone. They could not do all the work of the church alone, but they needed other office bearers, and they needed Christ. They were not superhumans who could do the work 24 hours, 7 days a week. They're not Christ at God's right hand, who does protect and govern, preserve and gather his church 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. But not us. And thus we must have rest with the Lord for two reasons. Number one, looking at us, we're very limited creatures. Very, very limited. Sometimes we need to learn that lesson, and we learn that by the Lord sending us into that temptation where we think the spiritual success of the church rests on our shoulders. And if I don't do this work, and if I don't do that work, the spiritual success of my family and in the generations rests on my shoulders and rests in my hands. We don't minimize, of course, the reality of our concern for the spiritual welfare and salvation of our homes and our children after us and the congregation but that it rests in our hands and on our shoulders? As that thinking begins to creep in, we can work ourselves into what's often called burnout. So worn out, we have ignored the limitations that God has placed upon us. The oars which God has given us in life to row are only a certain length. We may want them to be longer, but... They're exactly the length they need to be according to God's wisdom and his goodness. It's through regular rest with the Lord, the Lord is teaching us you are not, you are not infinite in your strength. You are limited. You constantly depend and must understand that you constantly depend upon me for the labor you are called to do in my church. The church and the building of that church depends upon me, as Jesus said. Upon this rock, I will build my church upon me. That's the success of the church. That's the stability of the church. That's the hope of the church. And that church will be secured to me by my spirit. You'll be anchored to me. The redemption of the church, I will accomplish, he teaches his apostles and for us, looking back in history, he has accomplished in his death and in his resurrection from the dead and seals that as absolutely sure in his ascension to the right hand of God. And even as he from the right hand of God preserves, protects, and gathers his church, he does so in that position of the finished seven. 
the completed seven, that finished rest in his shed blood and sealed by the Father in his resurrection from the dead as our covenant head. Christ commands us to rest with him in that rest which he has established, in that truth, in that word, for our labor in his church. And to see that we're just limited servants of that great work of Jesus Christ, who saves his church through us, an instrument here, an instrument there, to accomplish his purpose. Then secondly, in that covenant rest with Jesus in church or in our personal devotions around his word, we are reminded that Christ is our strength to do well in our work. For there are two challenges that we face in our work of faithful service in his church. Number one, challenge number one is just doing what Christ commands us to do. By nature, we're prone to procrastinate or to be lazy, to take that talent that is that place in the kingdom God has given to you and me and then bury it in the ground, not do anything with it, not use our abilities to fulfill that talent. That's challenge number one, not doing the work God calls us in the church or in the home the station and calling and life God has given us. And challenge number two is, if we do that work, there's the temptation not to do it out of faith and love to the Lord and thanksgiving to him for the privilege to serve him in this position. Prone to do it out of custom, out of superstition, maybe to merit something in the eyes of men, maybe to merit something in the eyes of God even, and think that God will be impressed by what I do in my job or what I do in the church? That's challenge number two, to do the work out of the wrong motives and not out of faith and not according to the commandments of God. To overcome those errors, to see them, to repent from them, and to look to Christ for forgiveness from them and the strength to overcome them by faith, Christ calls us, come ye apart and rest with me. In me, you have the obedience, the righteousness to conform to my commandments in thankfulness. In me is the holiness of perfect devotion to the Father according to his commandments and perfect devotion to me in your labor in this life. In me is the truth of being honest and diligent and faithful to the Lord, to his word, and to those whom we are called to serve. And in regular rest with me by faith, you learn what you need and that I will supply exactly what you need to be my faithful servant in the station and calling which I give to you in this life and soon in the life to come. I am the forgiveness of your sin. I am your righteousness. I am your sanctification. I am your wisdom. I am your redemption. Look to me for that rehabilitating rest 
than to go out and labor faithfully. So when the Lord grants us that rest, we receive the benefits of that rest, just as the apostles did. When they rested with the Lord in that desert place, although it didn't last very long, but they received the time to be refreshed in their souls. It prevented them not only from physical exhaustion, but spiritual exhaustion when they realized how much the devil opposed their work and how difficult the work is and that the work the Lord has determined sovereignly will not be a nice and easy level path through life but a pathway of trial and tribulation and suffering. This rest would renew in them endurance for the way. It also reinforced in them the servant relationship that they had with the Lord. They're reminded that in the church, whether it's the Apostle Peter or John or James or whoever it may be, they're reminded we are not in control of our apostleship. We are servants to the Lord. He is the Lord of the church, not us. And he determines where we are going to go. Time of the text in the in the country of Galilee, later in their ministries in different parts in the Roman Empire. But even so, the Lord guided them exactly where they would labor. And number two, they're reminded also, not only does the Lord teach us where to go, how to prepare for a journey, don't take any food or money, let those whom among whom you labor take care of your needs. He also teaches them how they would carry out their labor faithfully. You must regularly come apart with me and rest a while. Similarly, we as God's people in the church must do likewise and receive the same and similar benefits. First of all, we're sharpened for our daily labors through Bible study, personal devotions, family devotions, discussion about what we are reading in devotions perhaps, maybe an extended discussion because the question asked wasn't, was a rather difficult question, so it required some discussion and analysis and insight and some hard discussion till we resolved what the answer must be. Through that rest with the Lord, seeking the guidance of his spirit, we are sharpened in the truth, in the word of God and its application to our life and our calling in life, whether it's a father or a mother or a husband and wife or a child or an employer or an employee, whatever the case may be, our faith, our knowledge is sharpened on what the Lord calls us to do in our daily labors. Our watchfulness is strengthened. The Lord makes us more aware of the temptations which we face from the world. Not to obey the word of God, but to do what you want to do and what you think is right and I think is right. In communion with the Lord and his word, we're guarded from those temptations and taught to say no to them. 
In communion with the Lord, our zeal is also strengthened and nurtured by the Lord. And in communion with him, the Lord also corrects us when we need to be corrected. To bring us to the foot of the cross, that finished work of Christ there, to hear and to know the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus Christ alone. And also to know that in him we are sanctified in our work by the Spirit and newness of life. But secondly, also, we are given confidence in our work. We're not always so confident that the work we do as a minister of the word or the work we do as an elder or a deacon or as a mother in the home with our little ones or as a father or a husband and wife or whatever the case may be, even a child in school, my labors as a child, they're going to be useful. And in communion with the Lord, we are given by the Lord confidence. Not self-confidence, but more and more the Lord gives to us that Christ confidence. He leads us in communion with him at the foot of the cross and the truth of his resurrection to see that as his redeemed children, our daily labors are not intended by the Lord to accomplish something which Christ hasn't accomplished. We don't go out into the week on the basis or in connection with an unfinished work of the Lord, as though our labors have to finish out what the Lord was not able to finish, and so we're always trying to finish something. No, beloved, the Lord brings us in communion with him to focus on the finished seven, what he has accomplished by his death and resurrection, that which he has sealed by his ascension to God's right hand, and by his outpouring of the Spirit on the day of the harvest, the completed harvest, Pentecost, he assures us that as we go out into another week or out of that oasis of communion with him back into the work, we go into that work on the sure foundation of his finished work. We go out into our work, we fight the good fight of faith not to gain the victory in this war, we have the victory in Jesus Christ. This kingdom which we serve is anchored to the everlasting righteousness of Christ. The labors which we put out by faith in Jesus Christ serve that sure word of Jesus Christ concerning his church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against her, against Christ, and the church anchored to him by his spirit. All of our labor in his church, all of our labor in all our different spheres of life, even the home, are useful. They do serve the Lord Jesus Christ because we are his workmanship by his spirit. And that perspective, beloved, is necessary because of all the discouragements and disappointments which we face, and they are plenty, and the pain. But in communion with him, the Lord reminds us 
Be not weary in well-doing, and remember your labor of faith in Jesus Christ and the service of his kingdom is not in vain. The Lord will use it. So, beloved, come ye yourselves regularly. Come apart for a while and rest with me, your chief prophet and teacher, the Lord Jesus Christ, saith the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. O most merciful God and heavenly Father, we give thanks to thee for thy faithfulness to us. May by thy faithfulness and mercy that thou be faithful, may we be faithful unto thee. Through the power of thy 